Well, good morning, everyone. It is Resurrection Sunday, and I am so thankful that you have joined us for this online service. I trust that you've already been encouraged through our time of worship, uh, through the different elements that we've incorporated into this morning's service, and we just pray that you and your family are blessed as you continue to exist in this uh, isolated state, disconnected in one sense from one another physically, and yet here we are united spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've, you're visiting here today, if you're not a part of our church family, we're so thankful that you've tuned in as well. And for everybody, if there's any way we can serve you, please click one of the links on our website there. We'd love to know that you are participating in the service with us. We'd love to be able to pray for you. So you can click that tab there if we can pray for you. Um, you can worship through giving. You'll see the link there as well on the website. And if there's any way we can care for you, it would be a joy for us to do that. Uh, we know that, that we're all continuing to just figure out um, this temporary new normal as we continue to live in isolation. And this morning, um, I want to begin by just letting you kind of giving you a bit of a glimpse into my family's life and how we're existing in this state of isolation. Me and my family uh, have been trying to make the most of our time together and really enjoy um, these moments. Uh, we want to be able to look back during these unusual times and see that God was still faithful and at work and that we were maximizing our time together in every way we could. Uh, during this lockdown, my family and I have been striving um, to really enjoy this time together. One of the things we enjoy doing is reading together. So we'll shut off our devices, um, our phones and TV, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll sit down on the couch together, we'll snuggle up with some blankets, we'll get ourselves all a, a cup of tea. It's become a little bit of a, a pandemic tradition for us now. Um, reading with tea as if we're British or something like that. We'll sit down there and we'll begin to read a book and we've actually been working our way through a series of books and it's just been a tremendous joy. And one of the reasons it's been so sweet is because books have a way of drawing you in. A good book allows you to become immersed in the world that the author is creating. You feel like you're there. You feel like you're experiencing the story you feel like you're experiencing the ebbs and flows of the characters, the different emotions and situations they're thrown into. A good author knows how to evoke all of the different senses of humanity. You really begin to feel like that story is a part of you and you are a part of that story. You feel like you know the characters. They become either your friends or your enemies. You're sucked into the world and you live their story with them. You feel their pain, their fears, their delights and their joys. And when it comes to the story of the gospel, God, the author of the story, has written it with us in mind. The beauty and power of the story of the gospel is meant to pull us in. It's meant to evoke all, all of our senses. It's meant for us to experience what those in the story are experiencing. The beauty and the power of the story are intended by God to draw us in, in powerful and profound ways to experience the event and to see ourselves there. So this morning, this familiar story, this old story... I hope and pray is your story. If you're a believer this morning, I want to bring you back into the story of the gospel and remind and encourage you in your faith. 
If you're an unbeliever here and you've tuned in today, we're so thankful that you've joined us. And I'm praying that even if you're not a Christian, that through this morning's message, as we look at the story of the gospel and specifically the story of the resurrection, it actually becomes your story that you see yourself in here and you see that God is drawing you into this grand, beautiful story of redemption. Because this story is actually intended for you and for me, in many ways we need to see the story of the gospel as an invitation from God. I want to read to you the account beginning in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. We hear the, the true story being told through the pen of Matthew. And in verse 1, he says this, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he was going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This beautiful story of the gospel is an invitation from God to us. And here we see first that God is inviting us to come and see. Come and see is the language that we see in these first six verses. As these women go to the tomb, it's after the Sabbath, it's after the Saturday, it's the first day of the week. They go, certainly, hearts still filled with sorrow, hearts that are still confused and, and filled with internal chaos. There's been so much sadness, so much fear, so much is unknown. Their whole life has literally been flipped upside down. Just a few days prior to this, they had likely watched Jesus Christ, the one that they had hoped was the promised Messiah. They had watched him suffer and die hanging on a cross of wood. And now they come to the tomb to not only pay their respects, they do so to honor the one that they loved. So much sadness and fear as they approach the tomb. It's interesting, isn't it, how God works? Our whole world can be flipped upside down with unexpected events. I mean, just look around us right now. We might face, maybe even at this moment, the reality of physical illness. Maybe we're facing the loss of a loved one. Maybe we're facing a, a job loss or a relationship struggle. In the moment, our world can be flipped upside down. We can face a pandemic like the one we're seeing right now. We can live in isolation, unable even to gather on Easter Sunday. 
or we can face the prospect of physical virus and economic upheaval. We can even face the prospect of physical persecution for our faith. But as we saw on Friday in the, the irony of the cross and the crucifixion, what at first glance appears to be tragic may actually be triumph. What begins as pain can actually lead to praise if, if we are willing to come and if we have eyes to see. And here, God supernaturally breaks into the present moment for these women. An angel shows up from heaven and he's gleaming. He's displaying glory, a heavenly glory. It's a powerful reminder in this moment that divine sovereignty is actually behind even the most devastating circumstances and situations we face. God is at work even in the midst of brokenness. And here, like no other event in human history, God has been behind the scenes at work in meticulous and profound ways. The ground shakes. This angel descends from heaven. He sits there as if it's all been accomplished because it has. He rolls back the stone, the text tells us, not to let Jesus out, but to show these women that Jesus is no longer inside. This is an invitation to them. And in the same way, it's an invitation for us to come and appear into the empty tomb and see that Jesus is not there. He has risen from the grave. And you see, we need to be reminded that this is not a scene of tragedy, but a scene of triumph. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. The tomb is empty. The Savior has risen. It's not simply that God has reversed their circumstances. No, he's actually reoriented the eyes of their heart. He's helped them in this moment to look beyond their current circumstances and their present struggles. To look beyond and see the one who is sovereign over it all, who is working even when they could not see or understand. How desperately do we need to hear this message over and over again, especially now in light of our present circumstances? God is behind it all and he is seated on his throne. God was working even when they couldn't see it even when they didn't understand it. God was triumphing over the grave. He was overcoming sin and death for them. And this is what we must come and see. Loved ones, our hope is not in good health. Our hope is not in financial stability. Our hope is not in economic growth or success. No, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ who has conquered sin and death. He has conquered the grave. And so the invitation for you and for me is to come and see. Come, see. Allow your eyes to be reoriented. Let God reorient what you've set your gaze upon. Let him fix your eyes upon the hope of the gospel, of resurrection power, of new life, of eternal life that's found in Jesus Christ. Come and see. Refresh your heart. Be filled with faith, not filled with fear.
Refresh your heart in the sovereignty of God over whatever circumstance you are facing. See that God was sovereign over the most horrific circumstance in human history, the death of his very own son, and be comforted and refreshed in your heart by the reality that God is still sovereign right now in your life at this very moment. And allow it to refocus your life as you come and see that the tomb is empty. Let God refocus your life. Let God strip away everything you've been living for and longing for in this life, in this world. Let him remind you, especially if you're in Christ today, that you have a reason to live, that God has called you to live on mission, to display and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is purpose here for us. And secondly, we notice that not only are we invited by God to come and see, we're invited by God to go and tell. It's interesting here, Jesus, or excuse me, the angel looks at these women. They've seen that the tomb is empty. And in verse six, it says this, he is not here for he has risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. And then he turns in verse 7 and he says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. The command is so clear. Go and tell. It's impossible, in other words, to hold this good news to yourself. You can't know this magnificent truth, this, this blazing light of hope for the world, and hide it under a bushel. No, no, you need to go and tell about this good news. Amidst the devastating circumstances and the unbelievable despair and confusion they must have been experiencing, out of the ashes comes this great joy and this great hope. Jesus is alive like, like he promised he would be. He's risen from the grave as he said. You know, right now, the world needs good news. The world is desperate and, and craving good news. We watch the media and all we see is, is a sense of hopelessness and despair. We see the carnage of this pandemic. We see the potential economic um, fallout of all of this. Some of us are hit very close to home with this. I was speaking with somebody just this past week, someone who's an unbeliever who says that this has produced such immense fear in their life. They're constantly worried. They're confused. This is so understandable. So much of life has been flipped upside down. The world is hearing so much bad news right now. We desperately long to hear good news. In fact, some people, um, even unbelievers, have picked up on this. Uh, there's a YouTube channel that's been started by an actor named John Krasinski. It's called the Good News Network, and uh, in just the past couple of weeks, he started this YouTube channel, and it, it's, um, it's, it's incredibly funny and really well put together, um, and the, the idea behind it is this, that amidst all of the bad news we're seeing, he wanted to bring to light some good news. He wanted to highlight some of the good things that are happening, not just in the midst of this pandemic, but actually in spite of this pandemic, through this pandemic, how people are responding, how people are honoring those who are serving on the front lines. 
And it's actually been just a, an incredibly sweet channel to watch. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go and take a look. But it has it's been for me, listen, a powerful reminder that the world, amidst all the bad news, is desperate and hungry to hear some good news, something that will give them hope in the midst of all of this bad news. But loved ones, we know something significant here, don't we? We know that the bad news is far worse than most people realize. We know that the bad news that the world is facing right now is not a, a, a virus or a, a, a pandemic that's caused by this virus. We know that that's not the worst news in the world. It's not good news, but it's not the worst news. We know that the bad news is not ultimately the potential outfall or downfall, excuse me, towards the economy. We know that the bad news is not just what this is going to do to individuals financially. We know that the bad news is, is far greater than what the world sees in front of them. We know that the bad news is not just something physical and temporary. The bad news the Bible describes is something that is spiritual and will last for eternity. The bad news of the Bible is that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The bad news is that sin has spread like gangrene. It is truly a pandemic. It is an epidemic that has infiltrated every aspect of the universe. And as a result of this bad news of sin, every one of us deserves the punishment of God, the wrath of God. And you see, it's in light of that devastating news, that bad news, that this story comes to us with the good news of the gospel. The good news that we can be saved from our sin, that death does not have to have the last word, that God in his kindness and mercy can bring to us new life and new hope. The Good Friday of mourning and sadness turns into Resurrection Sunday of the good news and rejoicing. Jesus, through the death and his resurrection, has overcome the grave. He has conquered sin in death. We rejoice on this day like these women because the tomb is empty. You see, our problem is that we love to stay focused on the bad news. So many of us are sucked into fixating upon the bad news that we see all around us. We become consumed with it. It produces great fear and anxiety and worry. And we forget that we actually have a good news that eclipses all of the bad news combined. It's not only that we have been given this good news, but I want to remind you, loved ones, that God has given us the invitation to go out and communicate this good news. In fact, it's more than an invitation. It's a command given from God. Here we see these women are told to go and tell the disciples. Go make it clear what you have seen and what you have heard. We need to take note of this in our own lives. Church, the good news that we have is too good to keep to ourselves. Every one of us should be broadcasting the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we need to take a clue from how they did it here. Notice that they're commanded to go quickly. Notice that they ran to tell the good news out of this excitement and joy. 
Church, we need to be those who go quickly. Let's not waste time. Let's seize the opportunity as the world around us is living in fear and confusion. Let us not shrink back. Let us go and declare the good news of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's do it quickly, but notice too, let's do it like these women did it. Let's go in fear. Not the fear of man, not afraid of what man might think or say to us, but in the fear of God, out of reverence and awe for Him, out of His power, the resurrection power that we know and have experienced. Let us go in the fear of God and declare to all who will listen the hope of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and let us do it like them in joy. Loved ones, as much as we may suffer loss in this world, we have suffered gain in Christ. We have everything we need in Jesus. Our joy is not in our present earthly circumstances. Our joy is in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the hope that He has given to us in the gospel. This is good news, and our hearts ought to be filled with joy, especially this Resurrection Sunday. God has given us so much to be joyful for. We have a living hope that is not only ours, but is offered to all those who believe. You see, this God of good news invites us not only to come and see and to go and tell, He invites us all to believe and worship. Here in verses 9 and 10, listen to what Matthew writes. He says, And behold, Jesus met them, the women, and He said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of His feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This is such a precious, precious truth and a precious gift that God gives to these women. Not only have they seen that the tomb is empty, not only have they seen this display of God's glory as an angel comes from heaven, as the ground beneath them shakes, they've seen the, the supernatural invade the natural. But now in this moment, God gives them even more than that. On their way to Galilee, on their way to go and tell the disciples, God wants to give them even more confirmation. He wants to bolster and strengthen their faith even more than He already has. Jesus Christ Himself shows up personally and intimately to these women. They're the first to get a glimpse of the resurrected Savior. Can you imagine what this would have done to their faith? I mean, it was one thing to hear from an angel. It's one thing to see the empty tomb, but they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And in this moment, their faith, what they believed to be true, they saw in sight. What a gift that God had given them in His grace. What's their response? Their response is, is what any of our responses would be to seeing the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They bow down and they grab a hold of Him and they worship Him. They must have praised Him with hearts that were filled with so much joy and so much passion, so much love for their Savior. In this moment, all of the prophecies, everything that He had taught them would probably have come flooding back to their mind. As he said he would, look at here he is. He's risen from the grave. He did what he promised to do. Our Savior has not left us nor forsaken us. He has not forgotten us. He has come for us. They believe so deeply in this moment. 
They can see their Savior. The disciples will have the same experience. Not long from now, Jesus will do as he promised. He will show up and he will meet with his disciples in his resurrected body and they will experience this same reality. They will bow down and worship him. Even those who doubt like Thomas will believe eventually and will bow in worship of Jesus Christ. Faith is such an interesting thing. Faith is what we're all called to, to, to trust or to believe in what God says is true. I heard this definition, faith is when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. Let me say that again. Faith is when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. You see here, these women, they couldn't explain what they had seen. They couldn't really wrap their minds around it, or they couldn't figure out all the details about how this was taking place, but they couldn't deny it. It was absolutely undeniable. And what I love so much about the gospel story is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a public event. In fact, Paul, when he's communicating the priority of the gospel, both the death and resurrection of Jesus, one of the things he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, is that Jesus Christ appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of all whom are still alive, he says. In effect, even Paul says, listen, you don't have to take my word for it. You just don't have to believe what I saw. This wasn't hidden. This wasn't done in secret. Jesus, in his resurrected condition, he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. He says, go and ask them. Go and ask them. This is, this is not something that's hidden. Christianity does not base its truthfulness on the testimony of just one person. And I love that the, that the epicenter, the very focal point of uh, the Christian faith happened in a public setting for everybody to see and verify. I want you to consider this. Maybe you're exploring Christianity and, and you're asking what sets Christianity apart from all the other religions in the world. Well, there's many things, but let me just make note of this. Christianity is not like Islam, for example, where Muhammad wandered into a cave by himself and he claimed to see an angel and get revelation from God, known as the Quran. And then he just came out and, and simply said, I just need everybody to trust what I saw and what I heard. Even though I was by myself, I just need you to trust me. Christianity is not like Mormonism, where Joseph Smith wanders out into a field and is met by an angel named Moroni and is given these special glasses and these golden tablets, and he comes back and he simply says, I know that none of you were with me, and none of you saw what I saw, but I just need you to take my word for it. Christianity is not like that, and it's not like Buddhism either, where Buddha, he wanders off into the jungle alone, and he receives enlightenment while he's all alone, and then he comes back from the jungle, and he simply says, you just need to trust what I'm telling you. I know nobody else was there. I know nobody else witnessed what I saw. You just need to trust what I'm telling you. Paul says, you don't even have to trust me. You don't even have to take my word for it. Go and ask all the others who are still alive. They saw what I saw. This was a public event. Jesus is broadcasting this to the world. And you know, the truth is that when it comes to faith, every one of us has doubts at points in our life. Even the most mature Christians will be faced with doubts. 
That makes sense, though, by the way. I want you to consider, listen, if God is like the ocean and our minds are like a water bottle, it just makes sense. We should expect that there are going to be some things that simply don't fit. There are some things that we'll, we'll never understand. God is so vastly different than us. He is so far superior and transcendent to us. The, 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 the finite cannot grasp in totality the infinite. Are we okay with some unexplainable things? Some people um, in their Christian walk, when they come across things they can't explain, it, it rattles their faith in an enormous way. We need to embrace the fact that we don't have all the answers, and in this life we never will. Are we okay with unexplainable things? Listen, if God show us, shows us undeniably who He is, that's what the resurrection does for us. God undeniably shows that Jesus was who He says He was, that He was God in the flesh, that he was the hope for the world, the one who had come as a sacrifice, as a substitute for sinners like you and me. That he is the one, the, the righteous, who would die for the unrighteous. That in Christ we would receive the righteousness of God. You see, faith is when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. You are going to have some unexplained questions. Your entire life is going to be met with things that you can't quite grasp or fathom. The question is this, will you trust God anyways because, because He has shown you undeniably that Jesus is who He says He is. Now these women, they had their faith bolstered. So would the disciples and the 500 who witnessed Jesus Christ, who saw Him with their own eyes. But I want you to hear what John writes in John 20, verse 29. He says this, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who believe, yet they have not seen. What a beautiful truth for us. God still, through the resurrection, is showing us undeniably who He is. God's blessing of salvation awaits all those who have not yet seen but believe the testimony of those who have seen. God invites you and me to believe. He invites us to not simply believe and put our trust in Him, but to fall down at His feet in worship and adoration. If you've not done that, let me invite you to receive the grace of God that He offers to you. He offers in His death to pay for your sins, and in His resurrection, He offers you new life, resurrection life, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, relationship and reconciliation with God the Father, and eternity with Him. You know, we love good stories because we are all part of one grand story. And you know, the best stories of all are the ones that are actually true. The story of the resurrection isn't some myth or some fantasy. It's not some hoax or trick. It is a historical fact, and it is divine truth delivered from the mouth of God. And God invites you and me to enter into this story in new and profound ways as we come and see, as we go and tell, and as we believe and worship. And at the end of the story, we will live in the presence of our God in the joy of our Master forever. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Let's pray.
Father, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. God, thank you for the invitation to come and see, to go and tell, to believe and worship. God, we believe in you and we rejoice in you today. We rejoice in the power of your death and your resurrection. God, may we all worship you in all that we do. And may we go and tell the world that there is indeed good news. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, we pray. Amen.